0: Okay. Oh, look at you go.
1: (laughs) Is that Ramsey? Yeah. Yeah, we're just sitting here having a cup of coffee. Are you guys
0: drinking the Megalodon blend from Abyss Coffee Company? Of course we are. People, go over to abysscoffeeco.com and order a bag of Megalodon. It comes from the depths of the oceans, I hope you know. If you're looking for a an deep, dark, earthy-tasting coffee with an intensely smooth and peanut-buttery bean, it's got some chocolate notes and a nice balanced sweetness, get your bag of Megalodon coffee today at theabysscoffeeco.com. Don't forget to plug in code TGDP. That way they know that you came over there because you listen to us.
1: Brando, are you ready? To... I have nothing to add to that. I wanted to add some funny, snarky remark, but nothing. I'm like, that was beautifully done, James.
0: Hey, man. Thanks. I'm a professional. I know
1: you are. Then you hooked up with this clown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this clown's good for some jokes, but he's also good for some facts. Fact. True
1: facts. Hashtag true fact. Ocean Ramsey is 37 years old. No, 35 years old. Sorry. I'm two sips into a cup of coffee this morning. The calculator's uh, running a little slow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. You,
0: you never you never mess up a woman's age. age
1: the wrong way. I know. Well, she does not appear to be in her 30s at all. Very attractive young lady. And that's why she wins the contest.
0: <laughs> well, well what, about, uh, what about very attractive Valerie? Valerie Taylor uh,
1: Valerie Valerie is very attractive. 80, 86
0: very years weird. old. I think she's uh, still uh, still looking pretty good.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: And still in the water. We got the uh, the a classic shark conservationist and uh one of the new budding shark conservationists. Both ladies in celebration of Women Diver
1: Day month.
0: Now are you ready to talk some sharks, Brando?
1: i um, uh yeah. Let's talk sharks. Yes. Facts. Shark facts. Sharks. Seals. Sharks eat seals. Fact. Sharks eat seals. Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's one of the funniest scenes on television. The Bears beats Battlestar Galactica scene. Um, Yeah, I'm ready to talk facts. Shark facts. How about this, Brando? Is this a fact? Hit me. Sharks are cold-blooded killers. Well, in a way, it's a fact. When you put that little, uh, like it's going to be a movie, kind of intonation with your voice. From the depths of the ocean. From the depths of hell. When you thought it was safe to get back in the water. Coming
0: at you with three-inch razor-sharp teeth and 10,000 pounds of pressure
1: in every bite. (laughs) This ain't your pet shark. This ain't no baby shark. This ain't your shark vacuum. Yes, there are shark vacuums. They've named vacuums after sharks. What's going on with the world? Can sharks vacuum? Fact, no, they cannot. They do not know how to operate a vacuum. <laughs>
0: but I guess, I guess you're right because uh, even you know, a whale shark, in a way, if you were plankton, you'd be scared shitless of that bloodthirsty, cold-blooded killer
1: eating a million of your plankton buddies at a time. Do plankton have blood, though? I mean, there was a lot of blood in that description. Do plankton, in fact, have blood. Wait, so you're saying that it, they're not it's a Myth they're, that they have blood. That plankton have blood? No, that that sharks are cold-blooded killers. That's not a fact. No, That's a no. Myth. You said the whale sharks were bloodthirsty, and I'm like, well, they're not real. They're plankton thirsty. I don't think they're thirsty at all because. They drink a lot of water in the ocean. They're plankton hungry. They're starving for plankton. So fact. If we gotta deal with facts only. <laughs> anyway. Facts. Fact or fiction, Brando. Sharks
0: have a taste for human flesh. Uh false.
1: I say false. Fiction.
0: I've got uh from this old book, Sharks. Attacks on Man. It's one of these old little childhood books that I picked up along the way. It's copyrighted back in 1975. But in it, there's an editorial uh, clipping from the New York Times. Way back over 100 years ago, from July 19th, 1916. It says, the right of the shark to live after his lights is precisely that of other animated creatures. They belong to one of the world's few, really old families. Therefore, if there's anything in priority of possession, the sharks have a much better right to kill us than we have to kill them. For they had been a long established race ages and ages before we appeared adjusted to our environment with such a close approach to perfection that there had been no necessity for them to change either their structure or their habitats in all the passing eons. They preceded us here, and the chances are that they will survive us. We hate them because we
1: fear them. We hate them because we ain't them. Yeah. <laughs> And as they say, they hate us because they ain't us.
0: And in particular, you know, the, the great white is kind of like just like a perfect machine moving through the water there.
1: Isn't that kind of racist, though? Did I say great white? I meant the carcarous carcarodon. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Welcome to 2022. <laughs> 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 yeah, interesting. Interesting viewpoint. And And that viewpoint was 1919. So... Le- well, let me let me see if I got this right. They are perfect because they are killing machines, and they've survived all these years without e- evolving. Really, they are the same—the same killing machine they were now as they were millions and millions of years ago. You are right? you
0: are speaking of the Carcharodon carcharias, correct?
1: Speaking of the sharks, right? So, according to this article, they have more right to be here than us. Is that right?
0: Yeah, they're saying uh, they were here before us, and they're going to be, you know, if uh, the way things look, going to be here long after the humans are gone. I don't know. I thought we were winning that war. <laughs> well, back in uh, back in the seventies, you know, at the peak of it, particularly when Jaws came out, mm-hmm. you know, and even a before then, you know, Jaws kind of came out like as as a movie, like in fear of of sharks already, and kind of preyed on a on a just a slaughtering killing mentality that was just rampant for so long that you had somebody like Valerie Taylor, who was filming the, the, the real live shark scenes in that movie, you know, not the, not Bruce, the mechanical shark, but the, the real scenes and, um, going on tour, to promote that movie and just seeing all the ignorance in so many people Valerie Taylor at the time was one of the the early people that put down put down the spear gun and picked up the camera and and decided you know I'm only shooting these animals you know with a camera from now on and went on a crusade to really you know show the greatness of the sharks and the need for the shark but at one time yeah I mean they were we were just and I I'm going to tell you, not even at one time and even still today, there's a lot of people that they see a shark and they just they, they want to kill it. I mean, I was down in Florida on the Gulf side, you know, back earlier in the year visiting some family, yeah. and we had a couple of days on Cedar Key and we're sitting around the pool and then like just off the hotel, you know, people are fishing from shore and this guy f- picks up a hammerhead Catches it on a pole, a small one. I mean, th- this thing's not. Yeah,
1: small hammerhead. Yeah, baby. Yeah. little baby. This thing's not even mm-hmm. two feet long. And he starts pulling nails out of the dock with it. It's not a claw hammerhead, though.
0: <laughs> He's, he, he, no, he rebuilt the Puts him in dock. his
1: tool belt, starts heading off to do his roofing job. No, but
0: he, does he take it and, you know, catch and release? No, he cuts his goddamn head off.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we we go out we go out later that day, you know, walking into town, and he just Jesus just, Christ, people! I don't know they, they they get this like fear of oh these sharks, man! You fucking kill every goddamn one of them you see. Really, I, I was on a fishing fishing boat uh, more than a decade ago, like out in Cape Cod, did like a little day day fishing trip. You just down dropping and jigging and jigging and see if you catch anything, and with like two hundred people it, on this goddamn boat. Say,
1: isn't that fishing right there? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just went for the beers,
0: but somebody you, somebody <laughs> caught a shark on that, and like the, the the head fisherman guy is like, kill it, kill it. Jesus Christ, just like beating man. it with a club. I'm like, my lord, what the hell? Like, there's so many just old school families of. Do you of, call it old school? Of, I don't of, think of, it, I mean, it, fishermen, like it, fishermen families yeah. that have been around for decades just working fishing boats. They see a shark, and the, the first thing they think is kill that damn thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's just a psychological. <laughs> sickness if you ask me there's I, I a problem in a way, there
0: in a way like uh, listen i'm not an anti-hunter but in the same time like i i don't
1: think you Killing should have the baby kill everything you see they're not eating it they cut off its head i mean right, there, exactly. there's there's nothing to that give me a break um yeah i've i've never encountered that and whenever i've seen uh People fishing at the docks or whatnot. and I really don't go out on fishing boats too much. So, but I've seen them catch sharks and the baby ones. They put up a huge fight, you know, up on the dock or on the oh yeah here. I believe and it. Uh, but they usually get them off, get them off the hook and put them back in. Them back I've in. never seen them kill one. That what you just described is horrific. Oh, it was barbaric, it's demented. Yeah. It's demented, man. Agreed. And I think if
0: anybody has been on the forefront of shark protection and conservation and learning you know not just fearing but a willingness to learn about the shark it has been the diving community
1: yes absolutely we've had uh several great uh I don't want to call them pioneers so much they're they're just several great conservationist minded people that have fought for the sharks I think of, like, Amanda Cotton, too. Do you remember her? Yeah,
0: I remember. Yeah, haven't seen her name around in a while, but yeah.
1: No. No, I think she's just busy, you know, doing her thing. But I remember she's dived with the sharks and the crocodiles and all these undersea creatures that have a reputation for um, – and it's and – it's, I don't want to say rightly earned, but it's been earned. I mean that there are attacks on humans by uh, sharks and there are attacks on humans by other animals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um in this same book, it starts off with a uh with an
1: account that is is later portrayed in the book, but Hold that thought. I finally finished my first cup of coffee. Let me go <laughs> get a second one. Regroup. Okay. Okay.
0: So I guess so many stories, Brando. When you start talking about sharks, it's easy to to take the sensationalizing route and play on the drama of of the attack because it is so graphic. And I think that's what everybody everybody is drawn to, you know, to the drama to that that gra- those graphic scenes
1: well, I mean that's a, a an interesting aspect of human psychology, I think you know that they're drawn to the gruesome fear aspect you know right
0: well you i mean you see them in the water, and then you know when you're ignorant about sharks, every shark is you know that gigantic. Sharp teeth, great white—that's that, just gonna bite you in half and, and eat you. And as you become a, you know, somebody like a diver like us, you, you realize, well, there's so many sharks out there, so many different types of sharks out there, the majority of which have no interest in nor capability of biting you in half and eating you.
1: True. I, I mean, if we don't look at it like uh, they're humans with this vindictive, like. Oh, I hate them! I hate them! I'm gonna go eat them. They're they're animals doing their thing. That's all they're they're doing. You know, there's it's not a bunch of hatred and killing for the sake of killing. It's programmed in their DNA to survive.
0: If I see one more <laughs> swimmer with these baggy beach shorts, I'm I gonna have to, to, to just it. bite them in half.
1: Wait, that's not that's
0: not what they're thinking.
1: No. So, throw that idea out, and all of a sudden, I mean, the sharks, they take on a different persona, if you want to call it, or a shark-sona, if you will.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, here <Sorry>. we
0: go. <laughs> this uh... Is, uh, episode is going to be shark-tacular.
1: <laughs> <sighs> That's awesome. I like that one. But this little
0: book starts off. With that same sensationalized drama, it says, I came up from a dive. and was treading water when Bob Pamperin came high out of the water about 60 feet from me and screamed, Help me! I swam toward Bob, and in looking ahead, I could see nothing. After swimming about one half of the way to the spot where Bob Pamperin had shot out of the water, I submerged, and there, soon, about five feet away, I saw Bob's face, chest, and arms. The area below the torso was obscured by reddish-brown, murky fluid. The lower part of Bob's body appeared to be in the mouth of an enormous, heavy-bodied white shark. This uh, reminds me of a story uh, my half brother
1: told me one time, Brando. <laughs> <laughs> that one took me a second. Sorry. <laughs> That's a good one, James. Uh,
0: so, in this book, George Lelano says that a human being in the water is usually so helpless against sharks, and the consequences of shark attack are so gruesome and horrible to contemplate that nobody exposed to the possibility of it can banish it from his mind, and whoever has survived an attack can never forget it. Mere statistics are no comfort, for shark attack is always a possibility to be dreaded, no matter how remote and unlikely. Knowledge of the behavior of sharks towards humans in the water or on rafts has long been largely speculative, and the literature on the subject, both popular and technical, is full of contradictory evidence and opinions. It still seems that the best evidence is in the first-hand accounts of those who have encountered sharks. And again, this is written in the 70s, so this is at the beginning, really, of, of looking and gathering this data. This isn't quite up to date today because we have learned so so much.
1: Yeah, we were kind of stupid back then. We're very smart now if you don't know about that. We're super smart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, in the time like no, the the sharks came out of, you know, the 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 black hidden depths. So the really the only time you were exposed to them was Virtually in an attack.
1: Right. Or you'd read it in the newspaper or, again, a uh, sensationalized book or magazine article. There were very few conservationist-leaning uh, documentaries. You had to really be in academia, I think, to, to actually see right.
0: that. Yeah. And this is where we got somebody like Valerie Taylor, which was you know, one of the first ones trying to learn, you know, view them, observe them, and learn their behavior. And she was one of the early ones that said, wait, 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 Is is monstrous as they look. They're not down there just looking for hunting,
1: uh, you know, looking for humans to hunt and eat. That's not what they're doing. Because there's not a lot down there, first of all. Right. I mean, it could be like a delicacy to them. No.
0: We uh, humans are like the gras <laughs> of the shark diet.
1: Human livers, me. They don't want anything to do with my liver, I'll tell you that much. Or your liver, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's pickled. Pickled. Pickled livers.
0: Pickled foie gras. Very few accounts describe the sharks involved in enough detail to identify them accurately. To the man in the water, the specific identity of the shark swimming near him is of little importance though some of the largest sharks, such as the whale shark and the basking shark, are plankton feeders, not able to prey on man. Size is the main concern when a shark is encountered. Any shark large enough to hurt a man must be considered dangerous, and that means any shark more than three or four feet in length In fact, the International Shark Attack file credits three 18-inch-long lemon sharks with an attack.
1: Whoa. A gang.
0: A gang of 18-inch-long lemons. George says there are about 250 species of sharks, which are grouped by scientists into about 20 families. These are found in all seas except in Antarctic waters and quite frequently in brackish and fresh water. The largest sharks, the whale and basking sharks, may grow to 50 feet and weigh several tons. And these harmless giant sharks feed on microalgae and small organisms, which are strained from the seawater through specialized gill rakers. He talks about another big one, the the Greenland shark, which is another Arctic sea, you know, uh, inoffensive shark he says that the sharks that have teeth jaws and instincts necessary for a rapacious way of life and that have been incriminated as man eaters are members of the requiem family they include the mackerel the white the whaler the tiger the blue the sea the pointer and mako nurse gray nurses hammerheads and white and black tip sharks here's a question for you yeah
1: Who would win? Great White or Tiger Shark. Who would win? Mano a mano. Or fin to fin, I should say.
0: Well, I think the Great White has a really good advantage with his size. But the Tiger
1: is just an eating machine. They'll eat anything. They're both... Eating, kind of eating machines. I think a great white will eat anything, too. But I know, yes, a tiger, they found tigers with all kinds of whacked out stuff in them. Right? Yeah, you don't see that in a a great white. Uh, They're a little more particular on their diet. Their tastes are refined.
0: That's why you always see a great white eating with a glass of fine Chianti.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You forgot about that part. But, yeah, I mean, uh, curious matchup there. So, I mean, even the size, you're right. I mean, uh, a tiger's like 900 to fourteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 pounds, and then a great white is 2,000 to 5,000 pounds. So just just mass alone is immensely favoring the great white shark, right? And and don't forget, I mean, one of the things about the great white
0: isn't even its length of like 14 to 20 feet in length. Oh, it's it's dead. like its yeah. physical, the width and the girth of that
1: great white is it's a beast. They're beastly, beastly creatures. But the tiger shark has them on speed. Has much on speed. Right? Yeah, it's, a it's a like quick when burst. you try to
0: compare, like, what's you know what's more dangerous, a a mako, a blue, a lemon, a bull? You know, if you're doing the royal rumble of sharks. I mean, those lemons. Get are- ready to <laughs> <Yeah>. go ahead. <laughs> those lemons and-, and bulls are also known for just like biting and attacking blindly. You know, not out of like bloodthirsty rage, but they're just they're,
1: they're just fierce. They're a little bitey, little bitey, mate. Crikey, there's some experts down there on sharks down in the uh, land down under, but teeth-wise too, even. The great white outnumbers the the teeth aspect, so if he gets a hold of them, could be ugly for the old tiger. Oh yeah, just tigers have forty eight teeth. Now the great white, the great white has like fifty available to bite in the first row, but they have three hundred teeth right overall. So once they get a hold, it it could be ugly. It could be really ugly for the old tiger shark. Although, a tiger shark has nothing to, uh, to sneeze at.
0: This book says that the normal diet of nearly all sharks consists of living animals. All have voracious appetites, and many will turn scavenger. They may travel singly or in packs and are guided to their food by sound, scent, and sight in that order.
1: Wow. So sound gets them there, and they smell... They smell that you did not use any underarm deodorant. What they might smell is that you didn't use any of your um, crop preserver that morning. And they come in because fact.
0: If you're diving with sharks, you should definitely have the old crotch game at a, at a ready premium. condition, Conditioned. Conditioned and comfortable.
1: And actually, if you really want to dive with sharks... True, they are repelled by the crop preserver. It's not in their diet. But even more so is those manscaped boxers. Be swimming with your manscaped boxers. They're not going to ruin those. They're so beautiful. The sharks can appreciate the beauty and the craftsmanship, the material choice of manscaped boxers. They'll just swim by. Don't swim in
0: fear, people.
1: I have never been attacked by a shark while wearing my Manscaped boxers. That is a fact.
0: That's because uh, your your crotch game is on point. You ha- you don't have fear because you have the 2.0 boxers from Manscaped, the kings of crotch comfort. You know, they spent two years, Brando, designing the most comfortable boxer briefs
1: out there. Oh, I believe it because I've worn these things. Now, one thing you could be attacked by is your... Young lady shark in the old... Well,
0: listen, when you are, you know, wearing these sleek, soft, comfortable, flexible, brand new boxers 2.0 from Manscaped, which take your balls to the (laughs) royal ball throne, if you know what I mean, they are the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming. And uh, if you've been trimming up with your lawnmower 4.0, your lady shark is going to be quite happy. To bite into that delicious
1: treat—that's <laughs> pretty graphic. <laughs>
0: Listen, she's got but she's got to work her way through that uh, jewel pouch first.
1: They like a challenge,
0: but hey, if you want to up your crotch comfort <laughs> game, um, it's time that you invest in your family jewels, people. Let your bulge breathe and get twenty percent off of free shipping by using the code TGDP at manscaped.com.
1: Let's uh let's help preserve our uh our crotches, man. And we have
0: been testing the the crop preserver has been working fantastically lately as shark repellent. So if you are in i i this is highly <laughs> classified information it's not supposed to be released there's a bunch of black markers through this report that I obtained you know uh from a secret source but here look at this baby. oh yeah when you read when you read through this report it says that black line black line black line the sharks black black line black, uh, that Crop Preserver, Black Line, Black Line, Effective Black Line, black Shark Repellent. All I can assume from this is that Manscaped Crop Preserver can be used as a successful shark repellent. Get 20% off for free shipping with your code TGDP at Manscaped. Brando, that's 20% off and free shipping.
1: Son of a bitch. TGDP
0: code manscaped.com up your crotch game people because once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack you'll never go back i have an article by the great valerie taylor brando this she wrote even way before jaws came out part of why you know part of why she got the gig you know she was already into sharks she was into diving she was into spearfishing and she had an encounter that you know caused her to you know see the horror that was going on and I mean she was one of the early ones in Australia spear fit, going to these spear fishing tournaments with you could count the number of women on one hand and and hundreds of dudes would show up to these spear fishing tournaments and later, you know like I said earlier, she decided to put her spear gun down and only shoot these marine creatures with her camera but she wrote an article back in the late 60s titled i met the great white shark at a cocktail party
1: now you you do know that he was hitting on (laughs) her husband is quite famous as well and and played an integral part in that in her fame Uh, yes but they started out as ron Ron Taylor. taylor right they started out as um, spearfishing. They used to spearfish the sharks. They were shark killers, but they changed their mind once they start started learning and interacting with them.
0: Yeah, they basically um, came up with their own underwater camera housings so that they could start filming them instead
1: of shooting them. Oh yeah, they well they were diving from almost the beginning of of scuba. You know, back in the early, early 50s, both of them were were into it. Down in Australia, mate. I can tell you, Australians got a little uh, knowledge of the old Sharkies, eh?
0: Oh, they got some, uh, some good knowledge of the old great white Sharkies. Valerie says, as we drove along the flat South Australian road, the men talked endlessly about the great white shark. I had heard it all before and would no doubt hear it all again, but still I listened fascinated by both Ron and Rodney knew the shark. Well, my experience was limited to one brief encounter, but I had watched Ron's films on the white shark so often that I felt I knew them also. She's talking about Rodney here. I'm pretty sure she's talking about old Rodney Fox of australian great white lore i mean if, if there's one person that i would love to go see great whites with it, i would love to go do that rodney fox expedition i did the one in east of guadalupe which was awesome but but that rodney fox one's high on my list of wanting to to experience valerie says however i didn't and this was the reason for our trip Ron and I were to be two main divers in the American feature film called Blue Water, White Death. Oh. The script called for some rather hair-raising sequences. And Ron decided that I had better have some real experience with the Great Whites before we left for (laughs) Africa,
1: where the film was to be made. Incidentally, he took out a, a life insurance policy only weeks before the trip. Hmm. <laughs> well this being the ever the ever classic
0: Stan Waterman film, right?
1: Yes. So all the big names are coming together there, right? Got yeah, Baylors. I mean this is the, the
0: early the early days of, of of the shark divers for sure. She says we were towing Rodney's twenty foot Bertram Nautic Cal across the dusty plains toward Port Lincoln, gateway to the territory of the white pointer sharks. Rodney had worked the area for several months gathering abalone, so he knew his way around. And early the next morning, we launched Nautic Cal and took off across the bay. The bircher moved along at a terrific pace, and it wasn't long before we were anchored in the, in the lee of an offshore reef. Watched by their big daddy, a seal colony lounged comfortably on the rocks, and many had young pups a favorite prey for the white sharks. We decided to burly up the area. Sharks are rather fond of stingrays. Ron and Rodney put on their gear and armed with their spears, swam toward a sandy patch. I baited a hook and started line fishing, a rather unusual occupation for me. Ten minutes later, the boys were back towing a big black ray. Rodney cut up the carcass and hung several pieces over the stern. An oily slick calmed the water as it slowly stretched away on the current. We added a can of whale oil to add to the flavor. What shark could resist such a tempting dish? All we had to do was wait. The boys dozed and I fished, catching mostly sea sweep and parrots, which I carefully stacked in an abalone bin. So she says, hunting for white pointers requires a world of patience. And by late afternoon, we had still not seen a shark. Rodney decided we would return to Port Lincoln. I think that's part of uh, where the fear and the mystery comes. Is you know because they they tend to just come out of nowhere. Chomp somebody in half, tear off a leg or an arm, right? But then when you when you're looking for them, and you sit there and you, you bait them in and you chum the water up and wait all day long, and, and you never see anything, you know, is maybe they're onto our game. Early the next morning, Valerie says, we were back, anchored off the seal dotted rocks once again. The puppy-like seals greeted us with indifference. The baited hook we left attached to the, the baited hook we left attached to an anchored five-gallon gasoline can had completely vanished, anchor and all. So we knew there was something around. The stingray lures really had a very hard-to-take aroma by now, but the boys assured me that white pointers simply love that sort of smell, and I would just have to put up with it. Frankly, I didn't think either of them were very keen to go hunting for fresh bait, knowing that a white pointer was in the vicinity. However, this day looked no different from the first. A few seals came over for a look. I fished and the boys dozed. It was late afternoon when it happened. Ron had just finished announcing that the light was too poor for photography, when Rodney let out such a yell that I nearly jumped out of the boat in fright, she says, Then I saw it, the huge shape moving silently along the surface, following the oil slick. We watched its every turn as 15 feet of potential death closed in on our boat. and Suddenly, The water erupted in an immense geyser while the boat shuddered and we struggled to retain our balance. To be in a 20-foot boat and a 15-foot shark swimming up around the boat enough to start shaking the boat, that'll that'll get you you a little puckered up. (laughs) It's got the prop! It's got the prop! yelled Rodney. How you feeling now with your chummy chummy waters, mate? Then the shark let go. Drenched to the skin, we stood and watched. The shark slowly circled the boat. I was used to the swift flicking rush and snap of whaler sharks and was completely fascinated. Every so often it would lift its huge smiling head from the water and study us carefully with its big black eyes. I drew over my fish, hoping we could see it feeding. Perhaps my offerings were too small because he ignored them completely as they drifted past his face. Once again, the boat started to shudder. Water showered upon us, but our prop held fast. The sun was setting, and it was getting dark. We had our shark. Or did he have us? I wasn't too sure,
1: Valerie says. You ever seen a shark's eyes, Chiefie? Black. Black. Black eyes. Like a doll's eyes. (laughs) You got it. Like a doll. Like a doll's eyes. There you go. There's somebody we need on old Shark Week. Old Robert Shaw although he would be the antithesis of uh our shark chicks shark ladies is that too male chauvinist to call them shark chicks is calling a girl a chick is that bad now was okay all right
0: i think we discussed this last week and we were uh we said that it was coming from the right place in our hearts so it was perfectly okay yeah Not one piece of hate mail came through. In fact, it was all positive. Nobody seemed positive of the best thing to do. Suddenly, the boat tilted sickeningly. Cameras, abalone bins, spear guns, and everything slid to the starboard side. Our rotten stingray carcass was still tied to the side of the boat with a piece of nylon rope. We had forgotten to pull it in. And the shark had taken it. A huge tail crashed into the boat. While the shark thrashed the water trying to drag the ray down. But the nylon rope held fast. All was confusion. I grabbed the knife and gave it to Ron. Who was crouching under the protection of the gunwale. He reached up and cut the taut rope with one last mighty splash. The shark was gone. Yeah, that'll, uh... Oh, shit, mate! We left the stingy tied up, mate!
1: (laughs) The stingy. I think you have the whole, uh... What's the, the pattern of Australian... The Australian lingo down. Which is basically just take any word and put a Y on the end, eh? Grab your talkie
0: tracker and speak into it there, mate. I heard you. <laughs> Valerie says, it was getting dark and we decided to spend the night where we were. For there was a possibility that the shark would still be there in the morning. We changed our wet clothes. It was comfortable sleeping in the boat. Or perhaps I was just used to it, for I have slept in boats often. Halfway through the night... A stiff southwesterly sprang up, causing Nautical to pitch and toss wildly. Rodney decided to move around to the lee of the reef. It would mean losing our shark, but then tomorrow could bring bigger and better things. When tomorrow dawned, all it brought was a howling westerly in some of the wildest seas I have ever been in. The spray from the water formed a blinding blanket of stinging salt. There was nothing to do but punch home into the gale. And I was glad to be in Rodney's 20-foot Bertram instead of our 14-foot open dinghy. She says, several days later, the weather was calm enough for us to try again. We had some empty gas drums, which were to be used as floats on set lines. She says, on the sand flats near the abattoirs Rodney again speared a big black ray however this time he didn't even get wet but just leaned over the side of the boat with the gun in hand with his, fit, with his first shot he pulled up a real beauty about four feet across the water was only eight or nine feet deep and several rays could be seen lying on the bottom
1: do you know what an abattoir is? it's where they slaughter animals is it? For human consumption, in Australia, slaughterhouses might. Now, I did not know that. I had to look it up. I didn't. I didn't want it to come across like, "Oh, you don't know what an abattoir is." They hang out by the abattoirs. That's their hangout.
0: Well, maybe that's why, Brando. That's why all you, the sharks are uh, wouldn't in there. Like,
1: if if I uh, found a place where like ice cream just flows out the side of a building I'd be hanging I'm gonna go hang out by the ice cream or, or
0: the the the, the taco stand at
1: <laughs> now you're talking my lingo
0: or, or the, the 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 taco stand at she says we fixed our first set line off a of small peninsula it looked very tempting with a big juicy stingray cunningly concealed the deadly hook our Question. next line was left under a okay, drum near the a Taylors rocky are reef. Like, the third we'll line was lowered sharks. into the clear, calm the waters race, of a small bitches.
1: bay. Because from what I understand in this story, a couple of them have given their lives uh, to save the sharks.
0: Yes, they have.
1: Let's pay homage to the stingrays.
0: But more importantly, would you be fishing for a 20-foot Great White on a 20-foot boat? <laughs> Yeah, true. Good point. <laughs> I'd want to be on a i would I want to be on the, a twenty foot beam of a, of a two hundred foot boat.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: If I am fishing for a twenty foot gray white,
1: there should be a rule like uh, a five to one ratio or something to that effect, at least. Like if you are going to go after twenty footers, you need a one hundred foot boat,
0: right? Valerie says. Early the next morning, we checked out the set lines. The first two were completely untouched. But even from a distance, we could see how mangled the third drum was. Sure enough, there struggling to free itself was a 14 and a half foot white pointer shark. There was so much discussion as to what we should do. It was too early for good photography and the gray haze covered the sky. Finally, we decided to enter the water. So we donned our diving gear. Ron was on the duck board, camera in hand, and about to dive in when there was a dull thud. Our hooked shark seemed to lunge sideways while the water turned into a mass of swirling red. Another white pointer had attacked his hooked comrade. Again and again it lunged viciously into the trapped shark. We could only stand and watch as the cannibalistic predator feasted upon one of its own kind. Such is the law of the sea. We had seen it happen before and we would no doubt see it happen many times again. Finally, the attacker circled us several times and then swam away. We watched for another half hour but we never saw him. Now I remember when I did my great white dives. One of the First things that they were saying was, don't just go sticking your hand in your camera out the side of the cage.
1: <laughs> you had to tell people this.
0: To get a better, closer up <laughs> shot of the shark that you see in front of you. Because there very well could be another one coming from behind your line of sight that you have no idea is on its way swimming right towards your hands.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure.
0: And this was a, a a number of years back, you know, before a lot of people were ever even really doing any of the, the free mm-hmm. open water swimming that you're starting to see some people do now.
1: Yeah, people have, well, they've learned more, so...
0: Well, I think that's it, is that they are learning to read the behavior so much more now. Right. That they can tell when a shark is in, I'm about to eat your ass mode versus I'm just chilling mode. Because you don't want to be in the, you know, swimming around taking pictures when you've got the cannibalistic great white eating another great white mode. That's probably not the time to be, uh, you know, swimming by and grabbing a little rub down the back and a little hold on a pectoral or dorsal fin, you know?
1: Which, you know, brings a great point that, okay, while we want to help protect the sharks, we do not want them to be overfished. But let's just face it, they're uh, they're not your pals. Oh, I'm getting a little rumbly in my tummy, And uh, turn over and... <laughs> You know, I I know what you mean, man. I see a lot of these people, you
0: know, doing the free diving with the sharks nowadays, and especially the big eaters, you know, the tigers and the great whites, and and thinking that they're just going to, like, grab the nose and put them in a trance and, you know, uh, ride a dorsal fin and
1: Rub their belly, turn them upside down.
0: Right, 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 right. And and I get it, you know, but at the same time, I, I think that... Does a little bit of the opposite of like sensationalizing the horror like, right. yeah, it makes people think that
1: they're cuddly. They're little teddy teddy sharks you. if you will. <laughs> thank you.
0: I'm just gonna I'm just gonna you, give them a little, so Smoochie cute. <laughs> <smoochie yuck>. Hey <laughs> where'd Valerie's head go?
1: Exactly.
0: Right. So there's you gotta find that balance between the two and, and and a lot of those videos that are like you know all over YouTube nowadays, you know, can easily make a, a kid go, "Oh, look, shark! Yeah. Let's jump in and uh, and pet it and rub his nose." He'll he'll just go into a happy little trance and
1: let me pet him. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah, two ends of the spectrum there, uh, whether they're they're killing them just for a whim, you know, just to kill because oh they're evil or they're petting them. And, and snuggling up with them uh because oh they're just misunderstood no they're understood they're killer killing machines but they're not always on the kill mode
0: not mine not my little buddy shark my little buddy shark's my best friend
1: nobody understands my buddy shark
0: my little buddy shark <laughs> has the sweetest smile my little buddy shark
1: he had a couple of cartoons that Mr. Jaws and whatnot. You remember Mr. Jaws back in the day? Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw. That's it.
0: Oh, that was my favorite cartoon as a kid. Because Jabberjaw was like the personality of Curly
1: from the Three Stooges. Right. Exactly. I don't know how they came up with that. Yeah, let's make him like Curly. Yuck, yuck, yuck. That's crazy. But just two ends of the spectrum. Just have respect for him, I think.
0: Valerie closes this article out by saying Ron had been hanging off the duckboard and captured some incredible scenes on 35 millimeter.
1: Well, that is one of the things about petting the sharks and swimming on their fins and all that stuff. It makes an awesome photo, an awesome video, an awesome image, right? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you like to have one of those on your wall of you, like hanging with the shark? Buddy, you know, arm around him, sitting at the pub, cheering a beer, laughing your heads off. Remember that time? I bit his leg off. He grabbed his leg, started beating me with it. It was crazy. (laughs) Next round's on me. Peggy, what do you think about it? Peggy. Oh, Peggy's not a girl. Peggy is the man that got the leg bit off. I got you. If you have to explain the joke, it's really stupid. (laughs) It's really bad.
0: We then went into the water for more photographs, she says. The shark was now quite dead. And once you have photographed and measured a dead shark, there isn't much more that can be done with it. She says if we were Japanese, we could make shark fin soup, but we were all steak-eating Aussies. We towed the carcass behind the boat into deep water and cut it free. I didn't feel at all sorry as I watched the huge gray shape spin slowly into the depths, for it had been an interesting experience. And one I wouldn't have missed for anything. Now, could you imagine, I mean, hey, look at this one shot, you know, Brando, of yeah that that, that rod captured of just, you know, hanging over the side of, you know, as that big shark comes to eat the, the little 14 and a half footer, you know, just mouth wide open, black, black mouth, white teeth, white shark, just... You know just an evil looking sight you know when that mouth is coming at you with with the intent of biting and ripping flesh to swallow
1: that's terrifying
0: uh it is one of the most terrifying things you know that that your brain can try to process, you know, yeah, at the same time you see a a great white shark just cruising over a grassy seabed, you know. Um, And just like a happy, peaceful scene, you know, two different worlds, you know, and yes, I think it's terrible that sharks have been portrayed, you know, sharks, the likes of great whites have been portrayed as these evil, monstrous, deadly beast, beasts. But at the same time, there's a, you know, that dichotomy of they're your cuddly best friend <laughs> and you know the, the, we got to have the reality in the middle here true but old valerie not old as in she's 85 and old but good good old apostrophe ol apostrophe uh there's a new documentary uh that's just hitting the uh hitting the airwaves about valerie taylor uh called playing with sharks
1: hitting the digital waves my friend the digital waves i There's think it's out on disney
0: waves. disney plus right now nice so kind of looking at her life as a uh, cinematographer and looking at uh, her life as a shark conservationist and how she grew up and how she got doing what she was doing and the early days of her working on i mean uh, working on films underwater i mean she was like the shark filmer back in the day you know, worked on all kinds of documentaries in the 60s and 70s. Um, she worked with Rodney Fox about his revenge of a shark victim and uh, kind of learned how Rodney ended up learning to become a champion of the Great White Sharks, right. even though he was a victim of a Great White attack. But she worked on all kinds of water movies, Blue Lagoon, and Jaws, Jaws 2, Blue Water, White Death. You know, she was was the one. Nogi Award winner back in the early 80s.
1: Oh, she has a a, a huge list of accomplishments and awards. Um, We'd be here all day talking about them. So just know she's made a huge impact on the conservation of our seas and the critters in it for divers. And everyone else, for that matter, so should we probably think about wrapping this episode up? We're, we need to um we have a whole nother shark chick to cover, and Valerie's accomplishments alone, even just that little tidbit of a story, uh, take up an episode easily.
0: yeah, so we'll uh we'll vi- visit another shark chick next week. And then we could discuss who is
1: the most. Sharkiest.
0: Ch- chickalicious of <laughs> shark
1: chicks. I think we should leave that up to the sharks.
0: Who's the most shark-tacular, chickalicious shark woman out there? Because the sharks would know, because sharks have good eyesight.
1: Fact! Sharks have good eyesight, they eat a lot of carrots. Fact. Sea carrots, that is. <laughs> I was trying to think of what could be considered the carrot of the sea. Uh, hmm. Good point. A carrot fish, the old carrot fish, not widely known, but the carrot fish is out there. Fact. Shark
0: skin feels similar to sandpaper. This is why you uh, want to make sure that you got your uh, old crop preserver on. You don't want your ball sack getting chafed and feeling like sandpaper. Keep it happy and smooth, people. Don't forget to order your Boxer 2.0s. Drop your jewels in that nice little protective jewel case. Preserve those crops. Insert code TGDP at checkout. Get your 20% off. And, Brando, free shipping. There you go.
1: All right. Should we uh, let's sign some logbooks on this one? They'll ship it via a shark to your door for nothing. Strapped to the back of a what? You're the shark of your choice. <laughs> 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 we're not signing logbooks. This is a couple part series. Oh, my tacular friend! It's okay. Uh, that's
0: you're right. You're right. Hold on to that logbook, then.
1: We're still under. We're we're switching over to a uh, stage bottle.
0: We're uh, we're in a cage. We're at the surface in a cage. This is oh, surface supply. Sir. We could be here all day.
1: We're on a hookah system, if you will.
0: All right, everybody. Well, we'll we'll get back to sharks and shark chicks next week. Send us a list of uh, your favorite shark chick. Maybe we'll talk about her.
1: Same shark channel. Same shark chick. Whoa! No, we're gonna have a different shark chick. Yeah. There you go. Redo it. Same Shark Channel. Same. Take three. Go. <laughs> take four. Same Shark Channel. And you, you. Oh, you want me to do the second half? Yes.
0: yes. Oh, I, thought you, I thought you were going to do your whole closing.
1: No, fuck that. No, we're sharing okay. this closing. Right, we we'll have share to share it.
0: it. And and take five. And
1: same Shark Channel. Different Shark Chick. Absolutely. New shark chick. I like it.
0: See you next week, people.
1: Au revoir, mon frere.